All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Everybody doing okay? I should have said y'all. Good morning, y'all. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be better, but 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 it just happens. No, it's it is so good uh, to be here this morning. Um, it's been a while since I was here, actually. Um, at least at least a year and a half. And some of you are like, "Yeah, we didn't know you were coming back." Um, but uh, here I am, surprise. No, uh, it, it really is. I, I, every time we come back, every time I get to come back here, it always feels like just coming back to family. Um, and, and, and coming back and seeing your smiling faces and the love and just the graciousness that you have towards me and have shown me for years now um, is amazing. Um, and then also with Pastor Dan and Mary, they've been so gracious to me for such a long period of time, even when I didn't deserve it. Um, how many of you know you have some, an amazing uh, senior pastor? Yeah, it's good to clap for that. And with the other guys, with Jeremy and Micah and all those guys, y'all have a, y'all have a killer team up here. Um, I just got to say this, is that um, you did steal Micah from me. Um, and I know, I know Dan feels good about that one. I know Dan, Micah, Micah starts talking to me and he says, you know, he starts, he starts cheering with me his heart and his dreams and what he, you know, just what God's doing with him. And he starts talking about Seattle and how you know, he, he would love to get a chance to go back up to Seattle and, and be a part of the team and be with Dan and Mary and the church here. Um, and inside, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking, no, no, that is not God. <laughs> Did God tell me anything? No, but I knew it wasn't God, right? Um, uh, but then as we talked, like, I just knew it. I was like, Oh, it is God, you know, it is God, and it is what he's doing, and so we talked, and he said, what do you think, man, and, and so I said, I, I said, I said, absolutely, I think that's exactly what, what, what you should be doing if you're feeling that way, if you pray through it, and you feel like God's moving you in that direction, run after it, right, when we, pre- we preach that all the time, you know, run after what God has called you to, so he did that, and so I was, uh, Jesse had been on the team, uh, the, the worship team there, and then and, and so we had a couple of meetings, and it really just felt right that, that she become the worship leader at the church. Um, and so we had a couple of meetings and introduced her as, as the new worship leader. And then I thought, well, I don't want to lose another worship leader, so I better marry her. No, just kidding. I plan, guys. I'm a planner, okay? I'm a planner. Jesse, will you stand up real quick and just say hello to everybody? Everybody, this is Jesse. And God has blessed me way more than I deserve. We can all agree on that one, okay? Um, but, but, but it is absolutely good here. God, I, I, every time I come into this place, it's just an amazing opportunity to get to experience what it is that God is doing here. And I miss it. I miss the worship. I miss the, the camaraderie, um, um, just, just the spiritual connection that takes place here in this house. And so don't overlook the fact that you have something very special here in this place, okay? That it's alive, God's working, God's moving, and he's speaking to each one of us. And so I pastor in Canton, Texas, and, and when I got there three years ago, it was, it was a restart church. Um, um, and so we, we, had, we had about 10 to 12, 15 people on a good day. Um, and then about you know, two months into it, half those people decided that they didn't like me anymore. And so, 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 so they left. Um, and, and so I'm thinking, I'm killing this thing quick. Like, I didn't know I was this bad, like, at being bad, you know? Um, but, 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 but then God just began to bring people in, um, um, and, and people to really connect to the church, or people who really had a heart for the community and the city in which the church was. Um, and over the last three years, we've seen growth uh, um, um, number-wise and, and financially, but we've also seen many, many, many people come into the kingdom. Woo! 
and say yes to Jesus. And that's an ongoing thing. And so, so I say all that to say it is an honor and a privilege to be here this morning and to get the opportunity uh, to speak. I take it uh, uh, as a privilege. And so thank you for the opportunity. Today we're going to be in, in 1 Corinthians 9. Um, and I'm going to be reading uh, uh, 24 all the way to the end of the chapter there. So if you have your Bibles, it'll also be on the screen. We're going to go 24 through 27 out of 1 Corinthians 9. And this is Paul talking here, and this is one of my favorite scriptures, uh, um, um, chapters here in the Bible. But, but, but this is what it says. It says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Everybody say, everyone runs. But only one gets the prize. So run to win. Everybody say win. win. There we go. Y'all are with it. It says, all athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. And Paul says here out of chapter 26, or verse 26, he says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Hey, will you pray with me this morning as we, as we get into the message? Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in this house this morning. And Lord, to be in this place. And God, I ask that today, that there would just be an overwhelming sense of your presence that even comes now. And Lord, just invades us, invades our heart, invades our lives. God, I pray that you would tear down any wall that we might have, any distraction that we might have going on. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would speak to us, reveal Jesus to us. We love you and we give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. I got a question for you this morning. How many people in here have ever been involved in track and field? Anybody in here? Track and field. All right, we got some. We, we have some. So, so, so when I was in junior high, uh, I played basketball and football. And so that was in the fall and into the winter. And in the springtime, it was kind of like, well, what do you do now? Uh, so, 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 so I went out for the track team there in the seventh grade. Um, but here was my problem, is I wasn't good at, uh, or excuse me, I wasn't fast, so I, I couldn't do the sprints, right? Couldn't do the sprints, but I also wasn't good at long distances. And some of you are going, so you ran track? Let me finish my story, okay? So I wasn't good at just the sprints, or, or at, at all with the sprints, and I wasn't good at long distance running, and so I was kind of confused going out for the track team. Now, I remember coming up to the coach and asking him, and I say, hey, coach, what do you think, what, what event should I, sh should I go after? And he looks at me, and he says, Henderson, I think you'd be a really good hurdler. And I thought, I think I would too. <laughs> I think I'd be a really good hurdler. And so, 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 so we start training for the hurdles, the 110 hurdles. I actually liked the 110 hurdles and, and did pretty well in it. And so he said, you know what I want you to do now? I want you to run the 300-meter hurdles. Now, if you know anything about the 300-meter hurdles, I've watched Jonathan Moore run it a couple of times, and he's phenomenal, okay? Um, um, but, but if you know anything about the 300-meter hurdles, um, it, it's kind of a weird race. At least I never figured it out personally. Because here is the deal. It's 300 meters, and, 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 and that's a distance, and so, so I couldn't just go out of the block sprinting, right? Like, I had to conserve a little bit for the kick with 100 meters left, whatever the case was. And if running was not hard enough, here in the hurdles, they put objects in your way that you have to jump over. 
And so I remember this one particular track and field event. It was at Baylor University, and we were running against other, other uh, schools in town. And it, it was 300-meter time, and, 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 and I had made it to the finals only by the grace of God. I had made it to the finals, and so, 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 so you line up on the blocks. You're getting ready to go. The guy shoots the gun, and, and we take off, right? We take off. And so the first hurdle comes up, and, you know, you do your little kick thing. You get it, and I'm like, okay, we're, we, we've started well here. We have started well here, and I'm, I'm dead even with the pack, and we're, we're running around the track, and then all of a sudden, as we get further and further into the event, I notice that people just start disappearing. They disappear, and I'm thinking, what's going on? Um, and so I do something you're never supposed to do, which is look behind you during a race, um, but I look behind me, and I see, you know, hurdles flying everywhere, body parts, you know, all over the place. <laughs> if you've ever seen anybody hit a hurdle, it does not look fun, right? It does not look, there's no gracious way to hit a hurdle. Um, and so, 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 so all, we get to about 50 meters left in the race, and there's me and the guy beside me left. And I'm thinking, i got a real chance to win this thing. I've got a real opportunity here to win the 300-meter hurdles. And so we, we continue running, and, and, and we're doing well, jumping over the hurdles and all these kind of things. And they come down, you know, neck and neck, and long story short, I took second place, Okay. I took second place. But Paul here in, in, in 1 Corinthians 9, he's trying to get the idea across that we are all in a race. That we all run a, uh, uh, we all run a race with our life. There's not one of us in here who is not in a race. But notice what Paul says. He says, he runs. That when we run, we run with a purpose, right? We run with a purpose. That we're not just you know, wandering through life or just taking things as they come. But Paul says that there is a purpose for which we run the race that God has set out before us. And that's the way that we live our lives as Christians, as those who have said yes to Jesus. How many know that we should have a burning purpose on the inside of us? That we have a burning purpose for the work of the Lord here in this place and not just on a Sunday morning in the church but also in the community that we live in. But we also have a purpose for what he wants to do in our lives as well. How many know that God has a purpose for your life? I don't know how you walked in here, how you came in here, what you've been struggling with, what you've been going through that has not derailed and not detoured the purposes of God over your life. If there's anybody in here who could say, yeah, I've messed it up pretty bad, that would be me, okay? And I am still walking in the purpose that God has planned out for my life. So let's throw that one out the window right now, okay? God has a purpose for your life. And how many you know that God has a purpose here for life spring as well? He has a deep passion and desire to see his purposes become a reality. And so Paul tells us here that he just doesn't just run for no reason, he doesn't run, you know, for j just to get out and do something. No, he runs with the purpose that God has placed in his life, and he runs after the purpose that God has for him. And we've all been created with this sense of purpose. Paul tells us there out of verse 26, he says, what you see me doing, copy it. Do the same thing. If you read through the New Testament, you know Paul wrote the majority of it, right? And he was a man on mission. He had a purpose with the way that he lived his life. And so today, here's what I want to do. I promise you I'm not going to take up much of our time, all right, because we have some other amazing things that are going to be going on. But what I want to do this morning is just give you a few points on purpose. The title of my message today is, is, is Power and Purpose, and I really do believe that God wants to put a deep sense of that in our lives. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. So number one is this. If you got your pens and pencils, you can write it down. It will not be on the screen. But number one is this, is that your purpose was given to you by God himself. Your purpose, my purpose, was given to us by God himself. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says this. It says that I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. You see, that word knew there just doesn't mean that God looked at us and saw us, but it actually means he knew the very depths and the very core of who we were already and who he had called us to be and the purpose that he had already placed in our lives. You see, our purpose is so much bigger than just a good idea that we have one day. The purpose, the reason, is so much bigger than just a good idea because it really is a God idea. He's the one that dreamed it up. He's the one that came up with it and placed it into our life. It is his idea. See, the amazing thing about God is this, is that he can see the end from the beginning. Where we are limited, right? We know what's in front of us, and we may have a couple of steps after that, but not very many. But God himself, he sees the, the very end, the end goal, the prize that Paul is talking about here. God sees the end goal from the very beginning. See, God put that purpose in each one of our lives. Before we took even our first breath, God had already breathed purpose into us. It was by him. It was his design. And I know we have our, our good ideas, right? And there's nothing wrong with good ideas, and we make our plans, and we run after those things, and I believe those are all good and all, all I mean, great. But our purpose originated and started with God. And you can rest in that fact, right? That it's not just me, but I have the very backing of heaven with me. I'm not just here fighting alone. That I'm not just here walking my life, running this race alone. But this is by God's design and his will for my life. And I don't know about you, but that brings a boldness to me. That brings a boldness and a passion that's otherwise not there. That when I know that, God, you have placed a purpose in my life. And it's not just a good idea that I had, but it's your idea for my life. Number two is this. Our purpose brings God pleasure. Everybody say pleasure. Pleasure. Philippians 2, uh, 13 says this, For it is God who works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. His good pleasure. You see, when we pursue our purpose, it brings God pleasure. Anybody remember the movie uh, Chariots of Fire? Anybody in here? Anybody ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? It's a great movie. It's an older movie, but it's a great movie. And I watched it because my parents watched it, and I was a little kid, and, and, and you do what your parents do, right? You gather around the TV at night, and you, at least this is what we did, and we watched, you know, whatever was on TV. And one of those movies was Chariots of Fire, and if you remember in Chariots of Fire, um, um, there was a guy named Eric, right? And he ran track and field. He was a track and field runner, and he was really, really, really good at it. The problem was this, is that Eric had a sister who um, um, thought that he was totally missing God's will for his life if he did not become a missionary in China right at that moment. Sounds legit, right? I mean, as a Christian, like, it, it, sound, it, it sounds pretty legit. And so Eric's sister was under the impression that if Eric did not give up track and field, that if he did not put those silly things behind him and go be a missionary in China, that he was missing what it was that God had for his life. The only problem with that scenario is this, is that Eric, like I said earlier, was a really good track and field runner. And he had an opportunity to go to the Olympics. 
And I don't know about you, but if you know anything about the Olympics, you know that's the highest stage you can perform on, especially as a track and field athlete. That's the biggest stage. And so Eric is caught in between this battle of his sister, really who he's close with, and his love for the Lord, and somebody telling him that if he does not go to China right now and become a missionary, then he's totally missed God's plan. He's caught between that and being a really good track and field athlete. And there's a scene in the movie, if you remember, where Eric and his sister are talking, and he runs up to her and he says this. He says, I can't remember what his sister's name is, but he tells her, he said, I am going to go to China. I am going to become a missionary to China. But first, I have a lot of running to do. First, I have a lot of running to do. And then he said this phrase that's always stuck out to me. He said, because when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, when I, when I run it may seem silly. It may seem not, not like a big idea to you or the best thing in your world. But when I run, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God in my life. You see, it wasn't like what his sister thought it was going to be like. And he did have a burning desire to become a missionary. But in this moment, he knew what brought God pleasure. He knew what it was. And though it didn't look like what everybody else thought it should look like, it was exactly what God had for his life in that moment. And so he did. He went on. And he did those things. I got a question for you this morning. Where do you feel the pleasure of God at in your life? When you're doing fill in the blank. When you're doing whatever it is, where do you feel the pleasure of God in your life? I promise you, if you will be attentive to that, you will find out where it is. You will find out where it is because our purpose, when we pursue our purpose, it brings God pleasure. When we pursue the purpose that God has for our lives, it brings him pleasure. Where do you sense his pleasure at in your life? And here's the thing, you hear this all the time, and especially as Christians, sometimes we just want to do kind of what looks like everybody else is doing, and be kind of a cookie-cutter Christian. Can I just say this? We have way too many cookie-cutter Christians. If God wanted us to have the same gifts, the same anointings, the same talents, the same purposes, the same passions, all those kind of things, we would all look the same, think the same, all that, you know, so on and so forth. But guess what? He didn't. He created us uniquely. He created us with a sense of purpose and a sense of passion. And guess what? Mine probably looks totally different than Ryan's. Right? Looks totally different than Ryan. Does that mean that he's wrong because he's not doing what I... No. No. But a lot of times that's the way that we feel because some... Our, 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 our purpose doesn't look like what somebody else is doing. And that's okay. Here's the goal. Here's the thing. Keep Jesus in the center of it all. Alright? Keep Jesus in the center of it all. And when we run after our purpose, what we were made to do, it will bring God pleasure. Your pursuit of your purpose brings God pleasure. And I don't know about you, but my, my heart's desire, my goal in life is I want to live a pleasing life unto God. I do. At the end of the day, there's a lot of cool things that I want to do, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of things that I want to, you know, be involved in, all those kind of things. But when I lay down at night, my one goal is this. That I want my life to be pleasing unto God. I was thinking about it last night I was, I, as I was laying there. And I thought about, you know, just some of the day. And, and it was a great day because Micah got married. Um, um, but, 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 but I was just laying there and, and, and I was thinking, did I live a pleasing life unto God today? Did I live a pleasing life unto God today? And we can nitpick everything apart, all those kind of things. It's not to make us feel bad. But it's a good question to ask ourselves. Does my life please God? The way that I live, the way that I talk to people, the way that I interact with people. 
is it pleasing to God? Our purpose brings God pleasure. Number three is this. God's purpose is going to be the one that lasts. His purpose is going to be the one that lasts. Proverbs 19, 21 says this. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, we make plans, and like I said earlier, we make plans, and that's good, and that's great, and there's nothing wrong with plans. I believe we should have plans, right? We should have plans. I have a plan for Canton Foursquare Church. I have, a, I have a plan that I think we should run after, but guess what? I know that plan will amount to nothing if God's not in it. Because the Bible says that if, the, if the Lord doesn't build the house of laborers, they labor in vain. The Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers, we can, be, we can be hard at work doing whatever, right? We can be running around, there's, there's a million things to be done. But if the Lord's not in it, it's not worth our time. Because it's the purpose of God is the one that's going to last. It's his purposes that are going to last. And like I said, plans are great. Because we seek God, we say, God, what is your purpose? What is your plan? And I believe that we serve a God who speaks, right? And he talks to us, that he's not silent. But he reveals those things to our heart. So the purposes of God, they're the ones that's going to last. And let me just tell you this right now, okay? It's never too late to jump on board. It's never too late to jump on board. As I was, as I, as I was in here this morning, I, I really felt like God wanted me to share that with somebody. I mean, I, I was here, you know, three years ago, and, and, and there's so many faces in here that I don't know right now. But I do know this, is that I don't know where you've come from or... You know, what you've been involved in, all those kind of things, but it's never too late to jump on the purpose that God has for your life. It it did not expire. There's no expiration date on it, right? But his purposes remain the same. You say, well, Adam, you don't don't know where I've come from. You don't know what I've been involved in. I don't care. I'm sorry. (laughs) Because it's very simple. The Lord wants to free you from that and bring you into the purpose that he has for your life. And it's never, it's never too late to run after those things because it's the purpose of God that's going to last. You are not disqualified, okay? You're not disqualified. Number four is this. You have to be present to experience your purpose. I told you I'm going to run through these just as quick as I can, okay? You have to be present to experience your purpose. Everybody remember the story of David and Goliath, right? Probably the most popular Old Testament uh, uh, story in the Bible. And David and Goliath, if you remember the story, David is sent to, 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 to his brothers who were in the, 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 the Israeli army at the time. His dad sends David to his brothers to, to, to supply them with food and all these other things. And so David does what his dad says, and so he brings his brothers food, uh, uh, whatever else he packed in the bag for them. And so David shows up, and if you remember the story, David shows up, and there's this big giant there named Goliath, right? Huge giant named Goliath. And David shows up, and, 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 and Goliath is out there just talking a bunch of junk, right? Talking a bunch of mess. And he's, he, he's cursing, you know, God, and he's cursing the armies of God, and he's saying all these kind of things. And so David walks up, and he says, is anybody going to do anything about this? Anybody. I mean, granted, like, he is talking to soldiers here, right? This is what they do. They fight. And so David shows up, and he says, is, 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 is anybody... Anybody going to do anything about this? And everybody, I, I can almost see in that time, everybody acting like they don't hear David. They're like, oh, I ain't doing nothing. You see how big this dude is? I ain't fighting him. And so David's brother's there. And so David says, you know, I'm, well, if no one else is going to do anything, I'm going to do something. I'm going to fight him. And I can just imagine David's brothers at the time. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who's going to tell dad David died, right? <laughs> who's, telling, who's, who, who's telling dad that David died? This is going to get bad. And everybody else thinks he's joking around. They're asking his brothers, is your brother serious? And like, yeah, David's a little crazy. Like, he may be small, but he's scrappy, all right? Don't let him fool you. And so David, David does exactly what he says he's going to do. He shows up. He squares off with Goliath. Goliath talks, and David says, well, if you get the opportunity to talk, I get to talk too, right? And so he talks, and then if you read through the story, you find out that David ends up killing the giant, right? He takes out the giant, and, and, and the armies of Israel are now free to do what it is that God had purposed for Israel to do, which was to come into everything that he had for them. But that, that giant that was standing in the way was stopping the purposes of God in that moment. It was stopping it until a little shepherd boy showed up. A little shepherd boy showed up to a guy, or excuse me, to an army full of guys who were scared, and he said, if nobody else is going to do anything, I'm going to do something. See, what do I mean by that? That, that, that? that we have to be present. We have to be present to experience our purpose. Here's the deal. I mean, you know that when David was going to take his brother's supplies, he just thought it was another day. Right? I mean, think about that for a minute. He's taking care of his dad's flock, his sheep, all those kind of things. He's just going through another day. He's just doing what dad asked him to do, right? And so he's going to show up. He's going to give his brothers the things that they need, and he's going to turn around and go home. But here's what happened. God had different plans. See, David just thought it was just another normal day, but God knew something extraordinary was about to take place because he was setting David up for the purpose that he had for his life. You see, here's what I'm saying today. Don't get lost in just the ordinary, mundane things of life. You say, God can never work through that. God could never do this. I just go to work because that's where I get paid, and that's how I take care of my family, and that's how, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, you got to know this, that God sees it in a totally different light. Well, I go to school because I have to go to school, or, you know, whatever the case may be. you got to understand this, that there is no such thing as ordinary to God. But here's the deal. We have to be present to experience it. You see, David showed up and he had an eye and he said, something's different today. I believe that God wants to do something different. And he began to press into the purpose that God had there in that moment, even when everybody else thought he was crazy. We have to be present to experience our purpose. We have to say, God, here I am today. Use me. Here I am. Use me. It may feel like another Monday, right? Just another day. But I believe that God's always up to something good. And the last thing is this, number five. Your purpose, our purpose, what God has for our life is always going to be found in knowing Jesus. Our purpose that God has for our life is always going to, it's always going to be found in knowing Jesus. You will never know who you truly are until you first know who he is. You say, oh, you have to say that because you're the preacher, right? That's your job. Like, you get paid to say that. But I'm telling you the absolute God-honest truth. We will never know who we truly are until we first know who he is. Never. If you remember out of Matthew 16, I'm not going to read it, 
But Jesus has his disciples gathered, and they're walking down the road, and they're hanging out, they're living life together, they're, you know, breaking bread, all those kind of things. And one day Jesus asked his disciples this question. He says, who do men, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And some of the disciples, you know, began to talk, and they say, you know, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John, some say you're Elijah, you're a prophet, you're a good guy, Jesus. Keep doing those good things. And it's not that they were wrong. It's just that they didn't know the full extent of who he was. And so Peter, Peter pops off because Peter has a loud mouth. I identify with Peter a whole lot. Peter does not have it all together, right? But he's not afraid to go for it at the same time. And so Peter says, I mean, I can almost just see it. Jesus, I, I, I think you're something so much more than that. So much more than, than, than what's been said so far. And Peter says, you are Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. You are the lamb that has been sent here to be slain for our sins so that we might enjoy a relationship with God. And Peter begins to say this, and I can only imagine during the time that the huge smile that comes over the face of Jesus, right? He goes, you got it. You figured it out. And if you continue reading the story, you, you see this. As soon as Peter understood who it was that Jesus was and is, Jesus spoke purpose back into Peter's life. Right? Because if you continue reading, it says, and you, Jesus says to him. He turns around and looks at Peter and he says, and you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You see, what happened there? Peter had a revelation of who it is that Jesus is. He caught it. He got it in that moment. He said, you're so much more than what people want to say that you are. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, bingo. And because you know that, I'm going to speak purpose and destiny and hope back into your life. All from knowing who it is that Jesus really was. You see, our purpose, it always will start and end with Jesus. I wish I could give you a formula or, 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 or you know, some, some, some way to figure it out. But here, here's, here, here it is right here. It's Jesus. You say, I want to find the purpose that God has for my life. I want to walk with purpose. I want to be bold. I want to... It's Jesus. It's from pressing into him and knowing him. It's from taking time out of your day to seek him and say, God, I don't really know how to do this, but I know you're there, and, and, and I just want to know you. I just want to know you. I want to draw closer to you, because I know as I draw close to you, you draw close to me. Let me tell you this, Jesus changes everything. And I hope you never get tired of hearing that. Because it is the absolute truth. God's plan for your life is not to wander through life. He has a plan, he has a purpose for your life. But remember this fact, that is that it all starts and ends with Jesus. And that's the beauty of the gospel. That when we didn't deserve it, when we were the, the furthest person from, 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 from deserving his grace... God reached down and said, I'm giving it to you anyways. And his name is Jesus. So I do know this today, is God wants to make that very, very real to our hearts. Because without that, we will never know why we are really here. So Jesus today, God, would, would you just reveal yourself to us? Father, may we see you. Lord, we are so thankful for the, for the work that you have done in each one of our lives. And God, we know that you are not done yet. 
There is so much more to be done. But God, even as you look at us, you say we are pleasing in your sight. Not because of anything that we've done, but strictly because of the goodness of who you are and your son, Jesus Christ. So I ask that today that you would grip and grab our hearts once again. That you would move us into a place of knowing you once again. Into a place of passion for you, Jesus. And knowing from that place, God, you release your purpose into our lives. Hey, so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask this question. Maybe you've, you, you've been here for a long time. Maybe today's your first day. I don't know where you've been, but you say, hey, today I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just shoot your hand up at me? I see that hand. I see that hand. Absolutely. Come on. Come on. You're just in here today and you're saying, you know what? That's, that's exactly what I'm looking for. So, Father, today, would you move on the hearts of your people? We love you so much, Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that you made on behalf of each one of us. Lord, that you now call us your sons and your daughters. That you call us friend. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.